I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Welcome to this podcast of The People's Pharmacy. You can find previous podcasts and more information on a range of health topics at peoplespharmacy.com. Healers around the world have long used mushrooms for their medicinal properties. Are Americans catching up? This is The People's Pharmacy with Terry and Joe Graydon. Many mushrooms are used for food as well as medicine, but Americans have been cautious about eating anything beyond cultivated white button mushrooms. Mushroom experts are called mycologists. They've been studying reishi, lion's mane, and cordyceps mushrooms for their pharmacological activity on the immune system. Our guest today is a fourth-generation herbalist as well as a mycologist and research scientist. He provides the inside story on shrooms. Coming up on The People's Pharmacy, more information on marvelous medicinal mushrooms. In The People's Pharmacy Health Headlines, the CDC is planning to change its guidelines for people recovering from COVID infections. Currently, the agency recommends that people with COVID self-isolate for five days, a suggestion that's been in place since the end of 2021. This spring, the agency will very likely offer guidance considered more practical, that people decide for themselves how long after a positive test they should stay away from others. The criteria patients should use is whether their symptoms are mild and improving, and whether they've been free of fever without medication for 24 hours. In other words, people will behave much as they do after catching flu or the common cold. Not everyone is thrilled with this decision. Some public health officials not at the CDC are concerned that older people and the immune-suppressed are still at serious risk of catching COVID and dying from it. A spokesperson for the People's CDC said the decision sweeps this serious illness under the rug. Long COVID has disrupted the lives of millions of Americans. No one knows exactly how many people may be affected. The estimates range widely from 2% to as many as 25% of those who have contracted the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Until now, most health professionals believe that children were spared from the long-term consequences of COVID-19 infection. But a, a new analysis published in the journal Pediatrics suggests that's an oversimplification. Data indicate that 10 to 20 percent of children within six months of acute infection still suffer symptoms. They include exercise intolerance, fatigue, brain fog, and headaches. Pediatricians don't have any evidence-based treatments to help children overcome such symptoms. Last fall, the FDA acknowledged that the oral decongestant phenylephrine is not effective. That's after decades of data suggesting that this ingredient in common cough, cold, and allergy remedies does not work. According to a new study published in JAMA, more than 700 products on drugstore shelves have contained phenylephrine including some very popular brand names. Americans purchased nearly 20 billion doses over the last decade. They spent over $3 billion. The FDA has not yet taken any action to require manufacturers to remove phenylephrine from cold medicines. Analysts fear that abruptly recalling these OTC remedies could disrupt the drug supply chain. The authors of the study in JAMA call for continued reform of the FDA's non-prescription drug review process. Americans love salt, but they've been repeatedly warned that sodium chloride raises blood pressure. Public health officials frequently advise cutting salt intake to lower the risk of hypertension. The only problem is that food without salt doesn't taste appealing to most people. A new study reports that a potassium-enriched salt substitute helped prevent hypertension in older adults. The investigators provided volunteers with a salt substitute that was 25% potassium chloride. The two-year study found that people using the salt substitute on their food had lower blood pressure and were less likely to develop hypertension than those in the control group who used regular table salt. 
Nearly everyone has heard about the benefits of the Mediterranean diet, but not everyone lives near the Mediterranean Sea. Do other traditional diets also provide heart-healthy benefits? A new study suggests that at least one such dietary pattern compares well to the Mediterranean diet. The researchers recruited volunteers in northwestern Spain to test the Atlantic diet of that region. 200 families were recruited to follow their usual diet or a traditional Atlantic diet for a year. There were nearly 520 adults in the study. Most did not have metabolic syndrome when the study began. During the study year, 3% of those following an Atlantic diet were diagnosed with metabolic syndrome, compared to 7% of those on the usual diet. An Atlantic diet emphasizes seasonal fresh vegetables, including potatoes, fruits, whole grains, nuts, especially chestnuts, and legumes. Fish and seafood play an important role. And that's the health news from the People's Pharmacy this week. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy. I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. According to the American Botanical Council, mushrooms are having a moment. That's because people in the U.S. are starting to pay attention to the potential therapeutic value of these fungi. Other cultures have valued mushrooms for thousands of years. To help us better understand the historical role of mushrooms and how they can be used as both food and medicine, we turn to Dr. Christopher Hobbs. He's a fourth-generation herbalist, licensed acupuncturist, author, clinician, botanist, mycologist, and research scientist in phylogenetics evolutionary biology, and phytochemistry, with over 35 years of experience with herbal medicine. He's a founding member of the American Herbalists Guild. His most recent book is Christopher Hobbs' Medicinal Mushrooms, The Essential Guide. Welcome to the People's Farm. See Dr. Christopher Hobbs. Oh, thank you, Terry. It's just, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Well, we're excited to talk to you, Dr. Hobbs. We understand that you are a fourth-generation herbalist. Could you tell us a little bit about your family background? Well, my great-grandmother and grandmother were both herbalists on my mother's side, and my grandmother was the community herbalist on Colorado Boulevard in Pasadena in the 1920s, and she had an herb garden right there. Of course, things have changed a lot nowadays. But uh, she had solar there, She uh, solar hot water. She had her own herb garden, and she took a trolley down to Chinatown to study with a Chinese herbalist. And uh, so that's how she kind of learned her herbal trade, well, from her mother, too. And on my dad's side, he was a professor of botany, and his dad was a professor of botany. So I didn't really have much of a, a choice. <laughs> no, you really needed to know something about plants for sure. Now, how about mushrooms? They're not actually plants. How did you get interested in medicinal mushrooms? Well, yeah, that's kind of a leap. I, I always say eating more mushrooms is a good way to transition into a, a more plant-based diet. But you're right, they're not really plants. They do have a lot of fiber, unlike animal products. So they're, they're similar in that way. However, Mushrooms are in their own kingdom, kingdom fungi. So, yes, they are a bit different. How did I get interested in mushrooms? My family didn't really talk about mushrooms, but somehow I, I really learned botany early on. My dad taught me botany. My mom used herbs in the home when I was growing up, so I got all that. But uh, just somehow I loved the forest. I, was, I spent a lot of time in the woods hiking and walking around looking at plants, and suddenly all these beautiful colored mushrooms were coming up everywhere in the fall and winter. And, and I thought, well, these are really interesting and I want to know more about those. So then I went to a conference uh, actually put on by Paul Stamos. It was the first or second one up in Orcas Island and, and met some of the mushroom luminaries uh, that wrote some of the books of the day. And this was in the 1970s. And, and I never looked back. I just was so fascinated by fungi and they're all, and I just love to hunt things too. So uh, I don't eat meat much, so uh, I, I started hunting mushrooms and, and eating them. Well, Dr. Hobbs, 
could you tell us a little bit about your time in China and the role of mushrooms in the diet there as well as in Chinese medicine? Yes. Well, I went uh, to the uh, acupuncture school, Chinese medicine school, and I thought it was, uh, I've always been interested in health, and I thought that would be a, a fascinating way to approach health and disease and and become a practitioner. So I did get my license. But after I got my license in California, uh, my teacher here uh, by branches sent me over to China. She Her teacher was over there. And so I went to um, Hanzhou and I was there for a number of months and studied with uh, Chinese herbalists that had seen over 100,000 people. And I noticed, and then I went downstairs. I was in practicing in a, and studying in a traditional Chinese hospital there. And I went down to the cafeteria uh, down below every day, and I noticed that everyone was eating mushrooms. There were so many different types of mushrooms, like wood ear and and enoki, and of course shiitake and maitake, and other mushrooms were in the soups and all the dishes. And I started eating them, and and then after reading and traveling quite a bit in Europe and Asia, I realized that most people eat mushrooms almost daily because not only because they're delicious umami flavor. Uh, they can't get meat, but also because they have such incredible health benefits, and they know of them and probably have for centuries and centuries. Well, I wonder if you'll tell us about those health benefits. What is it about mushrooms that makes them so beneficial? Well, first of all, they taste great, and there are many different types of edible mushrooms and with different textures and course, colors and so forth, like oyster mushroom comes in four different colors, pink and yellow and, and, and different other colors. So uh, they are beautiful to look at and they, their texture is in some ways similar to meat, like lion's mane, tastes very meaty if you stir fry it. And again, they just have a really great umami rich flavor. They have super nutrition. They're almost a complete food. And I think that's why they're cultivated in so many cultures. They grow on almost any kind of bio-waste like straw or brush or whatever. You can grow them and cultivate them like in Malaysia or uh, different parts of Asia. So it's it's a very, there's just so much food for the mushrooms to eat that you, it's easy to grow them on bio-waste. And then, but when you look at the nutrition of mushrooms, they have uh, up to 30% high quality protein with all the uh, necessary amino acids. They have all the, the uh, necessary fatty acids like linolenic and linoleic, they're loaded with vitamins, one of the richest sources of B vitamins besides meat products. And they have amazing amounts of trace minerals like copper and zinc and iron. They're one of the be nature's best uh, sources of, of trace minerals. And there's a lot of potassium and other minerals there. And I mentioned the protein is, uh, is really off the charts for many of them. And then finally, they are nature's best source of prebiotic fiber to diversify our microbiome and to increase the levels of the most beneficial species for immunity, for cardiovascular. And did you know that, that our microbiome produces literally 80% of our serotonin to regulate our sleep and mood and up to 50% of our dop dopamine to regulate our mood? So um, the prebiotic fiber is so, so necessary in our diet. Mushrooms are the very best and high, highest quality source of prebiotic fiber for our gut. Now, Dr. Hobbs, I want to interrupt you right there because we have talked to a number of gastroenterologists who say Americans don't get enough fiber and fiber is crucial for good health, not just for the microbiome, but just for your digestive tract to, uh, to act normally. So, I don't think most people think about mushrooms as being a great source of fiber or protein for that matter. Tell us a little bit more about why mushrooms sound like almost the perfect food. Well, yeah, besides all the other nutrients that I mentioned, the prebiotic fiber may actually be the most important part because, uh, for instance, shiitake, turkey tail that you can turn into food very easily, uh, they have such high levels of beta-glucans and chitin, which are nature's best source of prebiotic fiber because they don't break down. They're not digestible in the upper GI tract. They, they make it down to the lower tract. And as you said, 
uh, increases in fiber are very important just for our gut health because it gives us something, our gut, something to work on. If you can imagine eating all processed food, that just doesn't, that doesn't do this, provide the same benefit. So we need the, uh, we need that fiber, that, that really strong fiber that doesn't digest, uh, in our, uh, upper part of our GI tract. And it turns out that the average person gets only 15 grams of fiber per day. The government recommends 25 grams of high quality prebiotic fiber a day. And if you, which most people don't make, and that's not only in the United States, but also in Europe. And if you have a traditional diet, uh, you get up to 40 to 50 grams of prebiotic fiber per day. In which case, if you get that much fiber, it could actually reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease and cancer by up to 50%. Now, Dr. Hobbs, I have to admit that one of my comfort foods is mushroom barley soup. Mm. My mom made it, and it was always like, oh, heaven. What kind of mushrooms would you use to make a mushroom soup, especially a mushroom barley soup? Well, uh, traditionally, they're, they're going to likely use the button mushroom, which is agaricus garica spice forest. That's what you find in the stores mainly. Uh, more and more, we're finding maitake and shiitake and oyster mushrooms. Those three are very popular now. But, you know, the but, traditionally, it's the button mushroom. And if you let the button mushroom uh, start growing more and more, you're going to end up getting a criminy mushroom. And then if you let it com- become completely mature and black underneath, so that it's a really mature button mushroom, then it's called a, a portobello. So certainly if I was making mushroom barley soup, I would want either a portobello. I think they have more flavor than the button mushroom, even though it's the same species. Or I would add, I would make shiitake. I think shiitake and barley soup. Remember that barley has a lot of beta-glucan in it. It's really a good prebiotic fiber. And then you're getting the mushroom prebiotic fiber. You can't do much better. Um, they are really tasty and have a good mouthfeel. But I don't think you could get a better um, high fiber soup than mushroom barley soup, either using the portobello or the uh, shiitake. And Joe's mother actually used dried mushrooms that she would purchase in the in the grocery store. But they were um, they were not the uh, button mushrooms. They were Sometimes porcini, actually. Porcini has got to be one of the best if you can get it. And also remember that most of the, if you say Chinese black mushroom that you mostly find in Chinese cuisine, well, that's all shiitake. They dry it and there are different types of shiitake. The real dark, rich tasting one has simply been dried. And then that makes it taste a lot richer as soon as you put it in water and rehydrate it. You're listening to Dr. Christopher Hobbs, acupuncturist, herbalist, and mushroom expert. He's a founding member of the American Herbalists Guild and author of Christopher Hobbs' Medicinal Mushrooms, The Essential Guide. After the break, we'll find out how mushrooms affect the immune system. Which mushrooms are most helpful? Why doesn't Western medicine recognize the immune benefits of mushrooms? What do people use reishi mushrooms for? Some people have a fear of mushrooms. Is it misplaced? You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This podcast is made possible in part by Cocovia, maker of the most proven and concentrated flavanol extract in the market today, CocoPro Cocoa Extract. February isn't just about Valentine's Day. It's also American Heart Health Month, a great reminder to show your heart some love with a heart-healthy habit, such as adding clinically proven cocoa flavanols to your daily regimen. If you're looking for a supplement to fit your heart health needs, try Cocovia. All Cocovia supplements contain the most proven bioactive flavanol, CocoPro, backed by more than 20 years of research. These powerful bioactive nutrients are clinically proven to promote cardiovascular health and help retain healthy blood pressure and cholesterol levels. Your heart will thank you. Celebrate American 
Heart Month with 20% off all Cocovia Cardio Health products from February 8th through February 21st using the discount code HEARTPOD at Cocovia.com. That's heart, P-O-D, at Cocovia.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is made possible in part by Cocovia Dietary Supplements. February is American Heart Month. You could take care of your heart health by adding cocoflavanols to your daily routine for cardiovascular support. How does Cocovia fit into your heart-healthy routine to age well for the years ahead? More information at cocovia.com. If you ask an American healthcare provider about enhancing your immune system, the chances are you'll get a glazed look. That's because Western medicine does not have a lot to offer when it comes to modulating the immune response. We do have some very pricey and potent monoclonal antibodies to suppress the immune system to treat autoimmune diseases. But is it possible to improve immune responses safely? Our guest is Dr. Christopher Hobbs, a fourth-generation herbalist, research scientist, and mycologist. With 35 years of experience, he's a founding member of the American Herbalists Guild. His book is Christopher Hobbs' Medicinal Mushrooms, The Essential Guide. Boost immunity, improve memory, fight cancer, stop infection, and expand your consciousness. Dr. Hobbs, we understand that mushrooms have benefits for the immune system. You do mention that in uh, Christopher Hobbs' Medicinal Mushrooms, The Essential Guide, which is a wonderful book. Can you tell us, please, about the how mushrooms affect the immune system and which ones are most beneficial? Yes, I'd be happy to. And I take them daily myself, especially during the cold and flu season to keep my immune system vigilant and ready. And so there are two different ways, at least, that mushroom fiber and eating mushrooms daily can help with boosting your immune system. Well, three ways, really. First of all, they are loaded with trace minerals like zinc, copper, and iron, which helps our immune support our immune response. But more than that, they contain large polymers in the cell walls of all mushrooms, and that includes yeast, which are one-celled mushrooms. They contain uh, fibers or polymers called beta-glucans and also chitin. And so especially beta-glucans have uh, research around the world and labs around the world showing that it works in two ways. One, 60% of our immune tissue is in our upper gut, in our, in our small intestine. And there are special places in our small intestine called pyrus patches and M cells where if we eat, for instance, a shiitake mushroom, it's going to go down there. The, those large beta-glucans are going to be recognized by macrophages that are circulating in those areas of our immune tissue in our upper gut, and they're going to take those in, they're going to engulf those, break them down, potentize them, and then produce, send them out to dendritic cells, which are going to um, really initiate and orchestrate this beautiful immune response that can increase T cell production, T memory cell production, so we can remember pathogens like viruses and respond later. And they also um, can really boost our immediate immune response to all kinds of pathogens like bacteria or viruses. So that's one way, that's the um, primary way. But then when the prebiotic fiber gets down in our lower gut, uh, the beta-glucans and the chitin, then our microflora um, feast on that and they produce compounds that really activate our immune response down there as well. So we get a double um, dose of really great immune regulation, all aspects of our immune system. And it is so well studied all over the world that um, I, there are just really li literally thousands of papers on this very thing, the beta-glucans. Now, what mushrooms have a lot of beta-glucans? 
it's I, when someone says, what mushroom should I eat and use for the highest amount of immune response, immune boosting, it's going to be always turkey tail and reishi. Turkey tail and reishi contain the highest levels by far of beta-glucan and chitin of any mushroom. However, shiitake has a good dose, good amount. Maitake has a good amount. Other mushrooms have a good amount, edible mushrooms, but they're really the highest in the ones that have been made into medicine for centuries and centuries are she, our turkey tail, which is Dramides versicolor, and also reishi. So those are two that are used in traditional medicine that will give you the highest immune boost. Now, Dr. Hobbs, would you be kind enough to spell reishi? Because there are some listeners who have never heard about this mushroom. Yes, reishi is R-E-I-S-H-I, R-E-I-S-H-I. And where do you find it? Uh, you can find it. Uh, it grows wild in the east coast of the United States. It's pretty common in the fall and winter. Beautiful, varnished with a long sta- stalk and, and usually red and yellow colored. You might see it on hemlocks in the eastern United States. I've harvested it many times. Out here in the west, we have three or four species of reishi, which are pretty easy to find if you know where to look in the, in the forest. Uh, otherwise, you can buy them in Chinese herb shops. You can buy many different types of powders. You can get them in capsules. You can get them in tincture form, though I don't recommend tincture form because remember that the immunomodulating beta-glucans are not alcohol-soluble. So it's really important to use a powder or, or make a tea or make your own products at home. Now, Dr. Hobbs, you've just suggested that in cultures all over the world, Mushrooms are not just a part of the daily diet, but that healers also are aware of the fact that ingredients in mushrooms, especially reishi and turkey tail and maitake and shiitake, have an impact on the immune system. If you were to talk to most physicians in this country, they'd look at you like you were from Mars. It boosts the immune system? No, no, we don't, we don't have any way to do that. You can't, there's no drug. We can't, we can't improve your immunity in the middle of the winter. Just get a good night's sleep and eat a well-balanced diet. Why do you think medicine in the United States doesn't recognize or acknowledge the possibility that you can boost the immune system with plants, well, fungi to be specific, like mushrooms. Well, and plants, herbs like astragalus have been shown, and echinacea have been shown to boost our immune response in a number of ways. But if I can speak frankly, I would just say that um, if you look at turkey tail, for instance, turkey tail is the most widely researched of any of the medicinal mushrooms in human clinical trials. Rishi also has some human clinical trials. And when you really look at the whole a breadth of clinical trials that are available on turkey tails in cancer studies, it shows that if you, uh, they, their model is always the same or typically the same, where, where they do a double blind study. One part of the double blind study, one group gets the chemotherapy, the standard chemotherapy treatment, and, and it's usually digestive cancers uh, that the studies have been performed on. The other group gets the standard chemotherapy along with turkey tail extract, a special uh, turkey tail extract. And what these research studies show, and these include thousands of people, and these are published in in, uh, mainstream journals, Uh, what the studies typically show is that the five-year survival rate might be up to 25 or even 30% higher. Number two, the, the side effects of the chemotherapy, such as nausea, fatigue, and lowered immune response. I think we all know that chemotherapy can pretty much trash our immune response. Uh, that that the um, turkey tail can actually is associated with uh, an improved immune response, less nausea, and and less fatigue when you're using the chemotherapy. So there are some clear benefits in clinical trials. Why isn't mainstream medicine using them? Well, of course there there's a big push. Uh, let's face it, the, the drug, the farm, big pharma is a $1.5 trillion industry worldwide. 
they have the ability to really advertise to get the drugs in the hands of the physicians, and it's it's for profit. This is a business that's for profit. Herbal medicine and mushroom medicine, which is part of herbal medicine and Chinese medicine, is not the, the main thrust, hopefully. I mean, I'm an herbalist for many, many decades. When we started, we were not interested in profit. We were interested in how can we help people attain better health with natural medicines like herbal medicine and mushroom medicine is part of that. Rishi and turkey tail is herbal medicine, according to Chinese medicine. How can we help people have better health and w- with less side effects? And the, the money comes later if you are do- selling a, a really good product, people are getting benefits. There isn't as much advertising, of course. There's not as many patents. They can't be patented. So I think these are some of the reasons that I could mention. Well, I think those are all very understandable reasons. And I also wanted to mention that if people would like to know what a reishi mushroom looks like or a turkey tail, you've got some beautiful pictures in Christopher Hobbs' Medicinal Mushrooms. Well, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at a picture where you say, we found this 17-pound Ganoderma, and I'm probably uh, pronouncing that incorrectly. Sugi. 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 On a hemlock in the High Sierra, it was the most beautiful mushroom I've ever seen. And it, I have to admit, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And it's enormous. It is enormous. And when we found that mushroom, it was on a, a hemlock tree. They always grow on hemlock trees, this particular species of reishi. They're big and, and fat, and, and they're varnished, and they're red and yellow, and they're so beautiful. We were walking around just looking for herbs and mushrooms, and we went around this damaged uh, hemlock tree, and we saw this 17-pound reishi that just completely blew our mind. And that, I have to admit, even to this day, that is the most beautiful mushroom I have ever seen. And we made medicine out of it, for sure. We made teas, we made dried powders, and we made other medicines, and uh, we enjoyed it for months and months and months. But can I tell one quick story about finding fresh reishi like this? It's kind of tender along the edge. Most people, if you buy dried reishi that's kind of tough and fibrous, same as turkey tail. But when you get it fresh, when you get reishi mushroom, very, very fresh, it is mentioned in uh, Chinese herbals from 500 years ago or even older, maybe 1,000 years ago, that the ancients would would fast and, and pray and they'd go up into the Mahai Mountains and they'd find reishi like the one that I found, very beautiful and the Rishi would kind of call to you if you're if you're pure of heart and you fasted and so forth, and they'd find these Rishis and they would take the tender part in the leading edge and they would eat that right on the spot. And uh, it is said in many of the old Chinese medicine books that if you ate fresh Rishi, that you would be like the immortals, that it would extend your life and your health way beyond their normal years. So th- this is a very long-standing uh, reishi has always been thought to be a wonderful tre- health treasure, and it's called the spirit mushroom or the spirit of immortality. Now, you have described that reishi is used to improve our immune response well during the cold and flu season, for example. Is it used for anything else? Well, yes. Reishi, or the reason why reishi is my favorite medicinal mushroom is because it has so many uses and it has so many trials on it and and other studies showing that it can help protect our liver when we use it regularly. It's long been used for the respiratory tract. So I would always say that if you have a chronic respiratory tract condition like asthma, COPD, whatever, reishi, using reishi daily, and I do, I use reishi all throughout the the cold and flu season, maybe even other times of the year. I put one teaspoon of the powder in a little water or tea, and I usually matcha tea for me, and I drink it in the morning, and I notice that I really do get a, a benefit. But for, so for the liver, supporting the liver, uh, it can help lower cholesterol. It has been known for for pro- hundreds and hundreds of years in the medicine books of China to help promote good cardiovascular health, keep the blood moving in the vessel so it doesn't become stagnant, and and uh, also reduce cholesterol levels. Um, and these this is just among other things. Also, it's a very good medicine for reducing chronic inflammation in the body, among, again, many other uses. 
Dr. Hobbs, you know, when, when people talk about the things that they really worry about the most, it's usually cancer and dementia. And I'm just curious whether you have some suggestions for mushrooms that might be beneficial for both, starting with memory. Well, for memory, we have, um, particularly Lion's Mane has some small clinical trial, has a small clinical trial and some other animal studies showing that it can slow the process of dementia. Also, Rishi, there are some studies out of China that show that it can slow the uh, process of developing dementia, that it can help give us a better memory uh, and slow that process. So I would say definitely using Rishi regularly and using lion's mane regularly are two ways to go. Cordyceps may help. Cordyceps militaris is the best one to use. So cordyceps may also be used as a supplement, but definitely in, in the literature and in looking at the studies, it's going to be lion's mane and it's going to be Rishi. And, and, uh, and I know the literature well, that's what I do. Dr. Hobbs, a lot of people have a fear of mushrooms. They're afraid that, you know, if they go out in the woods and they see something that looks kind of cool, it, it could poison them. So can you give us a little sense of the pros and cons of mushrooms and is the fear misplaced? Well, no, it's not misplaced. I remember my mom telling me, you know, we had mushrooms maybe popping up in our front yard, uh, berry ring mushrooms or something. And, and you do get them popping up here and there and compost and maybe even in your lawn. And so, yes, it's very wise to, to be cautious when it comes to mushrooms. There aren't that many. I mean, most mushrooms are okay. Um, but what I would say is that there are a few mushrooms out there that are lethal like the death cap, Amanita phylloides. So uh, it's very wise to really know what you're picking. And again, join a local club, get a guide, get a good uh, ID guide. Uh, then so there are just a very few mushrooms. That's, pretty, that's fairly rare depending on where you're living. Uh, however, it is possible. But there are another fairly large group of mushrooms that will make you nauseous. Maybe uh, you, you'll throw up. Uh, maybe get a headache, maybe a rash. Uh, so there are quite a few mushrooms out there that have, and also make sure to cook all mushrooms. You, they have to be cooked well. These polymers in the cell wall like chitin are very hard to digest unless they're cooked. So a good rule is always cook your mushrooms before eating them. And so I, I will say that there's a small, just to recap, there are only a few that are lethal, but of course that all it takes is one, but right? It only takes one, right? It only right. takes one. And so so you... <laughs> we, we have a saying. Uh, we, there are old mushroom hunters and there are bold mushroom hunters, but there are no old, bold mushroom hunters. So make sure you know what you're picking. And then there's this other larger group of mushrooms that will cause nausea and vomiting and make sure to cook them well. And then there are 60% that are probably fine to eat. But again, uh, make sure you know what you're picking. Hang out with somebody who does know. Right. Good idea. You're listening to Dr. Christopher Hobbs, mycologist and fourth-generation herbalist. His most recent book is Christopher Hobbs's Medicinal Mushrooms, The Essential Guide, Boost Immunity, Improve Memory, Fight Cancer, Stop Infection, and Expand Your Consciousness. After the break, we'll find out what compounds mushrooms make and how they affect human beings. What are the possible benefits of psychedelic mushrooms? Learn about lion's mane and Dr. Hobbs' other favorite mushrooms. What mushroom could be best for helping people recover from illness? How can you learn more about medicinal mushrooms? You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This podcast is brought to you in part by Urea Skin Relief from The People's Pharmacy. It took us many years to get the formula just right. Now, we're delighted to be able to offer this intensive skin therapy with 20% urea. Urea Skin Relief Cream is not your average moisturizer. 
formulated with a unique blend of urea and plant-based ingredients, it's specifically designed to deeply hydrate and soothe even the most stubborn dry skin. Whether you're battling the effects of harsh weather or you have dry, rough skin because of frequent hand washing, this cream works wonders. Urea is a powerhouse ingredient. Not only does it act as a humectant, drawing moisture into the skin, but it also beefs up the skin's barrier function. We're just as proud of what you won't find in our Urea Skin Relief Cream, no parabens or phthalates. Creating a cream for dry skin that's free of these common endocrine-disrupting preservatives and plasticizers was what motivated us to make this product. People's Pharmacy podcast listeners can get an exclusive discount on the People's Pharmacy Urea Skin Relief Tubes. Whether you want the handy 2-ounce size or the 6-ounce economy size, you'll find this new product in the body care section of the store at peoplespharmacy.com. Just put the code PP20, that's uppercase PP20, into the discount code box when you check out to get 20% off your purchase. That's PP20 at www.peoplespharmacy.com. And thank you for listening. Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is made possible in part by Cocovia Dietary Supplements. February is American Heart Month, so why not take care of your heart health by adding cocoflavanols to your daily routine for cardiovascular support? More information at cocovia.com. Over the last decade, research on psilocybin, a psychedelic compound derived from mushrooms, has captured a lot of attention. Scientists at many prestigious medical research facilities have explored the use of psilocybin to ease existential anxiety associated with a cancer diagnosis. In addition, investigators are studying how this compound could potentially help people stop smoking, quit drinking, or alleviate long-lasting resistant depression. It's not a do-it-yourself project. Trained facilitators are essential in this research. Our guest is Dr. Christopher Hobbs, a fourth-generation herbalist, research scientist, and mycologist with 35 years of experience. He's a founding member of the American Herbalist Guild. His book is Christopher Hobbs's Medicinal Mushrooms, The Essential Guide. Boost immunity, improve memory, fight cancer, stop infection, and expand your consciousness. I wonder if we can uh, talk about some very special compounds certain mushrooms make. These compounds have gotten some attention lately because they are psychedelic. <laughs> yes, I know a lot about that. It's a very exciting topic, very topical right now. Uh, I do webinars on uh, you know medicinal uh, on on these types of mushrooms, and I started microdosing myself in the 1970s in Oregon, along the Oregon coast. So I have a lot of experience with them. And really, I feel like it changed my life for the better. And, and nowadays, they are illegal uh, on the national level, on the federal level. They're considered a sub, uh, Schedule One substance. So, uh, But in California here, in Colorado and Oregon, uh, things are changing rapidly. And many other states, there are, they're looking at laws to decriminalize them at least. And so in Oakland and Santa Cruz uh, and San Francisco, you can actually go in to a church, a store, and you can buy magic mushrooms over the counter, different types of cultivars that have varying levels of the active uh, alkaloids, which is uh, called psilocybin or psilocin. And uh, they've been probably used for at least a thousand years. They, they're a cave painting show pe showing people holding magic mushrooms. If you've heard of the sacred cow, you know, in India, they consider the cow very, very sacred. Uh, they, they put wreaths on them and, and sprinkle them with flowers and worship the cows. Why? Because it turns out that that um, back way back in India, probably a thousand years ago, magic mushrooms, psilocybin mushrooms were popping up directly out of cow patties. 
And we can imagine that people thought that, that the cow was giving rise to the mushroom and people would eat the mushroom, the psychedelic mushroom, a magic mushroom, and they would have visions and it would be the most powerful spiritual experience of their life, which happens in the clinical trials now that some people report that this is the most profound spiritual experience of my life, taking uh, psychedelic mushrooms. And uh, so you can imagine where a sacred cow came from because the mushrooms are coming right out of the cow patty. But I'll just briefly, I'll say that there are many clinical trials now on psychedelic mushrooms showing that it can help reduce symptoms profoundly of addiction, of depression, of anxiety, PTSD. Um, all of these things are being studied now widely. There are many clinical trials going and many clinical trials that are already published. And just very briefly, what I want to say is if you are interested in trying them, always start out low and go slow. Just go very slowly. If you get up into higher doses like one gram, two grams, three grams, it's always good to have a facilitator, someone who is well-trained, and there are many schools that are training people now. I think we'd like to underscore that because that certainly has been a, a feature of all of the studies that we have uh, read, is that um, people are very carefully prepared with uh, therapy and then debriefed also with therapy and, and do, in fact, uh, in m many, many cases, find this a profound experience. Yes, and it, it's, uh, it's very important uh, beforehand to have someone hold the space for you and be there for you that's well-trained if you're taking higher doses. And you're accessing early childhood trauma, for instance. This could be very, very difficult for some people, so it's good to have someone trained there. And preparation, counseling sessions, as you say, and then after the session, it's always good. It's very important to do the integration is what we call. And that means take those profound insights and experiences and really integrate them into our life in a way that they can really be, be useful to us and, and really give us more personal freedom from depression, anxiety, jealousy, all of these things that, that humans are prone to. It could free us. It could help free us. And what a wonderful thing. Dr. Hobbs, I would like to get, and I know this is going to be really challenging for you, but it's like, you know, a parent should never be asked, which is your favorite child? <laughs> you know, which child do you love the most? Well, no, I love them all the same. They're just different. And so I'm sure you're going to say, well, I love all the mushrooms. There's no one mushroom that I love the most, but I want you to tell me about lion's mane. Because it's so unusual. It's so pretty. It's beautiful. And I suspect it has some very interesting medicinal properties. It does. And starting with, you're walking in the, just imagine you're walking. It's a rainy day. You've got your rain gear on. You've got your rain boots on. And you're walking through an oak forest. And I've had this happen many times. And suddenly you, go, you walk around a tree and there's this gorgeous, beautiful white or creamy um, mushroom fruiting body that has all these spines coming out of it, hanging down, looks like a shaggy lion's head. And you're just going, what could that possibly be? And it turns out it might be a lion's mane. And if you are lucky enough to find one in the forest, of course, you can also get them cultivated organically. They don't look quite the, as dramatic. They're smaller. And you can also go into a Chinese grocery store and buy them as well because they are so popular. In China, every you know, so many people eat lion's mane daily for their uh, intestinal health to help reduce stomach inflammation. That's a big use for lion's mane, but also for the mood and for the nervous system, and helping support nerve growth factor, which uh, which the body uses to grow new nerve um, ner to grow new neurons. So it could actually help uh, promote. Uh, say if you've got a, a, an injury where you injured a nerve, a bruise or something, or if you uh, had a, a concussion, or if, you, uh, if you're depressed or anxious, lion's mane can, is also has a small clinical trial showing benefit. Uh, so many neurological benefits, they're due to these diterpenes, which are small terpenoid uh, carbohydrate, co or sorry, hydrocarbons that are found in 
uh, and they're very special that are found in lion's mane fruiting bodies and mycelium. And they are water soluble, so you could make a tea. You could, I think it's always best to just eat the mushroom because you're going to get everything that is in that mushroom, or you can use it as a powder. If they grow the mushroom organically and make up an extract, eat extract it and make a powder, you can take a teaspoon, which is about three grams of the lion's mane. You could sprinkle it in a soup or, a, or your stir fry, or just put it in some, a little bit of tea or something and drink it daily. And it is very beneficial for the nervous system. But it's but even more, it's so much fun to find it in the forest or even see it in in a, a mushroom shop. And, and it's just so beautiful, as you say. We actually purchase it pretty often from a uh, local vendor who, who grows them and sells them at our local farmer's market. And they're delicious. They are. They have a umami flavor, especially how I cook it. And many mushrooms is you, you kind of stir fry it with a little water and a little, say, olive oil stir-fried, and, and it doesn't take too long for the more tender mushrooms like shiitake or lion's mane to become tenderized. And and so it only takes uh, five minutes or so, stir-fried, a little bit of water and olive oil. And then at the end, when the water goes off, just stir it, uh, stir-fried a little bit so it browns just a little touch, and that gives it more of an umami flavor. And then you can add greens to it or any other vegetables or whatever you want. But yes, they are very, very delicious. Well, I, I was unfair. I put uh, words in your mouth. What other mushrooms are you especially fond of? Well, now, are you talking for medicinal benefits or just for their flavor or nutrition? Well, if we were to sit down to eat with you on a Saturday night and you were going to whip up something special for your guests from the from the North Carolina mountains and the coast and you wanted to... Uh, impress us because you love them so much, what would they be? Well, that's pretty easy. Uh, it, and again, it depends on whether you're going into a store that has lots of different mushrooms. I love wood ear. That's a really tasty one. But if I'm out in the woods around here or you know, many parts of the world, I would be looking for chanterelles, beautiful orange chanterelles, or I would be looking for porcini, which is so famous all over the world, which is Boletus sedulus. So I'd be looking for those two, uh, no doubt in my mind, because the porcini is the biggest, the most delicious, the best texture, uh, and, and also has a high level of beta-glucan in it for your immune system and your microbiome. But they're just so beautiful. They're just so big and meaty and beautiful. And I just love slicing them and stir-frying them with greens, a little onions maybe, and you just cannot beat a meal with porcini. And in Europe, of course, Italy, uh, Spain, different other countries, they are just so popular. And to go out in the chestnut forest or the hardwood forest and find some porcini, that is, and as a family, and it's, they're just the best mushroom of all to find in the wild. And But if I'm going to the store and picking out my favorite, but, but porcini, you can't really cultivate, so you're not going to really find them generally in the store. But if you go in the store and what's your favorite one to eat from the store, it's going to be shiitake. I love the flavor. I love the texture. Got lots of fiber, got lots of nutrition, helps lower cholesterol, according to studies. And it is just, um, I've, I've overeaten them uh, a number of times. Grilling shiitake with a little sauce on there, garlic and olive oil or something, little tamari. It's easy to overeat them because they're just so delicious, so hard to stop eating them. And Dr. Hobbs, this is the time of year when people are sniffling and sneezing and they have congestion and a cough and they'd like to know, well, what can I do? I, I've been told that a lot of the over-the-counter medicines that I can buy that are advertised so heavily, they're probably not very effective. The oral decongestants apparently aren't very good at really reducing congestion and maybe the cough suppressants aren't really working that well, and the mucolytics aren't doing much either. So if you were going to recommend uh, some medicinal mushrooms or some other plants, what, what would you recommend for someone who's suffering? Well, first of all, I would be thinking about my immune system, and I want to boost my immune system to get over the cold and flu at, or whatever respiratory infection I have as quickly as possible. 
and that's always going to be the high beta glucan mushroom, turkey tail, and reishi. And reishi has been used for uh, re the respiratory tract benefit for centuries and centuries. So I would have a bag of powder on hand of a, a heat-treated reishi mushroom uh, powder, and I would add one teaspoon, which is about three grams, in a little tea, um, like what kind of a tea would be good, uh, typically, uh, you, you think when for colds and flus, it's going to be thyme and oregano. Thyme tea is so time honored. <laughs> Sorry for the pun, but if you're growing thyme or you can just buy some a bunch of thyme at the grocery store in the spice section and then make a, a nice strong thyme infusion, put a little honey in there. You could put some lemon in there. Thyme tea is like the classic uh, tea, uh, herbal tea for upper respiratory tract infections and colds and flus. So I would certainly recommend that along with the immune booster Reishi. But I also have one more herb that I am going to heartily recommend. Not many people have heard of, and that's called ivy leaf, I-V-Y, just like the English ivy, ivy. The young tender leaves are extracted and put into syrups. This is absolutely the best mucus uh, buster uh, anywhere. And, and I use it frequently. It's just now starting to come in the United States more. There are plenty of products out there. But what you want is an ivy leaf extract, perhaps with thyme in it as well. And there's a European formula, I'm not going to mention the name, that basically uh, contains ivy leaf extract and thyme. And that, to me, is one of the very best to clear um, you know, the symptoms like cough and mucus and congestion of a cold or respiratory tract infection. Dr. Hobbs, I'm wondering if you would tell us what should our listeners do if they would like to follow up and learn more about medicinal mushrooms. We're going to recommend that they read Christopher Hobbs' Medicinal Mushrooms, The Essential Guide. What else? Well, um, certainly uh, joining a mushroom club near you. We have so many in the Bay Area here. Uh, joining a, a mushroom club, going out in the forest and, and looking for mushrooms, getting to know them in their habitat, get out in the forest and breathe the air of the trees. This is called forest therapy. And the trees are emitting all these terpenes, which can help calm us down. And just being out there, looking at, and being in their habitat is so helpful for our immune system. So I think getting to know them, maybe picking a few edibles, be very careful out there, make sure you know what you're picking, but join a local club again, maybe find out what, what uh, chanterelles look like, or maybe porcini are good ones to start, and, and really get to know them. Another way, of course, is, is do some reading, but be careful about what you're reading on the internet because there are a lot of books out there that, uh, or a lot of uh, pages out there that you could see that are selling products. So if, you're, if people are selling products, they're bound oftentimes to promote, over-promote. So I think um, look for a reliable source in books and also take some courses. I'm constantly offering uh, courses and webinars on the web. So that's another, you could look for me there, or you could also check my website, which I have a lot of information on medicinal mushrooms. Dr. Christopher Hobbs, Thank you so much for talking with us on The People's Pharmacy today. Oh, Terry, it was just such a pleasure. And thanks, Joe, for, for your wonderful questions. And it's, uh, I just get so excited about talking about mushrooms. You've been listening to Dr. Christopher Hobbs, acupuncturist, herbalist, and mushroom expert. He's a founding member of the American Herbalists Guild and author of Christopher Hobbs's Medicinal Mushrooms, The Essential Guide, Boost Immunity, Improve Memory, Fight Cancer, Stop Infection, and Expand Your Consciousness. Dr. Hobbs will be leading a mushroom-focused trip to Nepal from June 12th to the 28th in Sagarmatha National Park. You can learn more about it at the website imtnepal.com. Com. Lynn Siegel produced today's show. Al Wadarski engineered. Dave Graydon edits our interviews. B.J. Lederman composed our theme music. This show is a co-production of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, with the People's Pharmacy. Today's show is number 1,374. 
You can find it online at peoplespharmacy.com. That's where you can share your comments about today's interview. You can also reach us through email, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. Our interviews are available through your favorite podcast provider, and we post the show where you'll find it on our website on Monday morning. At peoplespharmacy.com, you can sign up for our free online newsletter to get the latest news about important health stories. When you subscribe, you also have regular access to information about our weekly podcast so you can find out ahead of time what topics we'll be covering. In Durham, North Carolina, I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Thank you for listening. Please do join us again next week. Thank you for listening to the People's Pharmacy Podcast. It's an honor and a pleasure to bring you our award-winning program week in and week out. But producing and distributing this show as a free podcast takes time and costs money. If you like what we do and you'd like to help us continue to produce high-quality, independent healthcare journalism, please consider chipping in. All you have to do is go to peoplespharmacy.com slash donate. Whether it's just one time or a monthly donation, you can be part of the team that makes this show possible. Thank you for your continued loyalty and support. We couldn't make our show without you.